welcome to episode number 51 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. As you're probably aware, we have been teaching for a number of months now on issues dealing with our finances. We've talked about how to get out of debt. We've talked about how to make good investments of our time and effort, what due diligence is and how due diligence is what we need to do. And that's a time of studying and evaluating, verification and those types of things. In these most recent podcasts, we've been dealing specifically with the issue of prosperity. Prosperity is a message that is very vital to understand because it can be a blessing to us if we desire prosperity, and it can also be a curse to us if we allow prosperity to take away our relationship with the Lord and cause us to get focused more on possessions and things of this world. So I believe in prosperity. I believe God believes in prosperity. And so today, the title of our podcast is Prosperity, Wisdom, and Wealth. In the previous episode, number 50, I discussed the situation and the understanding of what's the difference between rich and being wealthy. I won't spend a lot of time on that, but I think it's important we take a moment and evaluate that and understand that God talks specifically and individually about those who are rich and what wealth is all about. I think one of the best stories that I can think of found in the Word of God dealing with an understanding or an explanation of how God evaluated someone who was considered to be rich. There's a story of the young rich man. Some refer to the story as the young rich ruler, the young rich leader, whatever. But he walked up to Jesus and he was known as a man who was rich, not necessarily wealthy, but he was rich. There's a big difference. Jesus walked up to him and the young man said, Jesus, how do I get into heaven? How can I spend eternity in heaven? And Jesus said, we need to keep the commandments and don't murder and don't kill or don't covet your neighbor's possessions or his wife and all those things. And the young man said, well, yeah, I've got all that covered. Those are fine. But Jesus knew what his problem was. He knew that the young man had a problem with finances. So Jesus said, there's only one thing that you lack, and that is that you don't understand what I expect from the money that you have, your possessions. And the young man was kind of confused, and I'm sure he was looking at Jesus saying, what does my finances have to do with eternal heaven. And Jesus basically said, if you don't give of what you have, or being willing, he's saying, to give it away and share with other people, then you're really not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Now that sounds pretty harsh. That sounds pretty difficult thinking, well, does that mean that rich people aren't going to make it to heaven? No, I don't believe that at all. That's not what Jesus is saying. The scripture does say that it's harder for a rich person to make it to heaven than it is for a person who doesn't have a lot of money. And I believe the reasoning there is, is that the distractions that they might have to put their wealth as being their primary goal. And we've seen that a lot here in our world today. We see it a lot in America. I've seen it a lot in the years that I pastored and in the years that I was a banker. People get rich, many of them, and they turn their back on the things of God. Or they already have money, they're rich, and they don't want to go to God because they feel that there's no need that they have in their life. Well, that's the dangers of misunderstanding prosperity. But what I'm trying to point out in this this lesson that was taught to us in the Word of God is that Jesus designates rich as people who basically have something that is not dedicated to God. But those who are wealthy dedicate not only their life to God, but their finances to God. Throughout the Word of God, we'll see examples of prosperity and wealth. And you always have a story dealing with people who are solid people, people who are tied into their relationship with God. Wealth is designated as something that will last and something that is balanced properly. Remember, it doesn't necessarily take a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of work to become rich. You can become rich overnight by playing the lottery. I don't recommend you do that, but we actually 
actually could win the lottery and have $10 million and people would call us rich. That does not make us wealthy. So we want to talk a little bit more today about prosperity and discuss the issues of how prosperity and wisdom and wealth all go together. So let's look again at the Word of God because I believe every time that we need guidance and direction on any of these subjects, we need to base our foundational teachings on the Word of God. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, bless those that are listening today. And Lord, I call upon you to help me to be able to bring forth a teaching today, a message today, a session today. Father, that you would bless this podcast, Lord, and you would anoint it. I need your guidance. I need your direction. And I know those who are listening, Father, have come to hear something from you, Lord. Not from me, God, but a direct word from you. And I pray you would bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us start today with the word prosperity. When I say that word, what happens in your mind? Do you get excited? Is it something that you feel that it'll never happen to you, that this happens to other people, but you'll never experience prosperity in your finances? But whatever it is, we need to focus our thoughts on something that God would be pleased with. Many people who spend their entire life trying to gain financial prosperity or sometimes financial superiority over other people They have a lot of challenges in their life because they've got the wrong motives. In order to gain financial prosperity, we must have motives that will last a lifetime. Our motives must be to be blessed, yes, but to bless others, yes. Place God first, to keep him first in our life. The order of authority over us of God is crucial if we want our finances to be blessed of God. The Bible tells us in several different locations that when God blesses us, in one particular scripture in Proverbs, it says he adds no sorrow to it. You see, when the blessings come from God, when prosperity comes from God, we're not going to be in trials and trouble and tribulation and challenges. You know, I think a lot of times about people that you hear win the lottery. They win millions of dollars. And all of a sudden, they've got this massive amount of money and they have absolutely no idea what they're going to do with it. They're not paired. They've never thought about it. They never thought, well, how would I handle this and how would I handle that? And many times as we look at the lives of these people, maybe years, maybe even decades later, there's a lot of folks who've won a lot of money quickly. They gained wealth very rapidly and then they started having emotional problems. They started to having physical problems that came on them because of their emotional problems. It's even said that there are a number of people who've actually won lotteries in our country who later in life commit suicide because their life was not stable. They didn't understand how to handle a blessing that comes in. But we believers, we Christians realize that God wants us to have a plan and then he wants to direct our steps. A man plans his way, the word says, but God then directs our steps. I kind of like to look at things in planning for my finances that God is going to bless me. And when he does, these are the things I'd like to do. All my life, I've thought of ways to maybe build things for the church and maybe make a lot of money so that I could give a lot of money to the church. And that's the way I felt that I could do things that would bless the the work of the Lord. It's kind of comical how, yes, we've had success in our finances and we're comfortable financially, but there's something that was always in the back of my mind. I wanted to have the kind of money that I could actually go out and build buildings. Well, it's funny. The Lord put that desire in my heart but I didn't go out and make the millions of dollars in order to go build those buildings, but the Lord gave me a plan 
plan and he blessed the plan that I had, the plan that he had was to bless me, then the plan that I had that when I was blessed that I'd be able to do something for the work of the Lord. So before long, I realized that the things that I wanted to see get built, I wasn't doing it with my own money, but God sent people to me who had the same heart that I had, the same desire I had to do something for the Lord. And these buildings were built and millions and millions of dollars of facilities have been built because God has entered in and blessed. I remember when I went into ministry, I thought, well, Lord, how can I bless the ministry with my finances if my income is going to go down so low because I'm not going to make very much money working for the church? And yet God's, I know God's must be sitting up in heaven thinking, oh my goodness, your ways are so pitiful. They're so, they're so below the way I think because God tells us that in the book of Isaiah that his thoughts are greater than our thoughts and his ways are greater than our ways. And so God had a plan whereby I could see my dreams come true. I could see the prosperity for the church without me having to go out and make the money and build the buildings. All the buildings got built. As a matter of fact, I'm not boasting or bragging, but I'm just here to tell you that with making a very small salary at the church, we were able to build in the northern area of Scottsdale a $12 million worth of facilities, an 1,100-seat auditorium on 26 beautiful acres of land that God provided because our plans tied up with his plans. So in order to prosper, from the Lord, then we must make sure that our plans tie in with what he has planned for our life. Now, I need to go a little farther in that. You know, God has a purpose for all of us. It says in the word of God that there's a purpose and a plan for each one, every one of us. I think we need to pray and make sure we know what that plan is. A lot of folks tell me that they don't know what their purpose in life is. And I believe that's why a book was written by Rick Warren that was entitled The Purpose Driven Life because people all over the world were trying to find out what their your purpose was. Well, your purpose is really defined by God. And we find our purpose by getting into the Word of God and reading and praying and asking God for guidance and direction, and then step into our area of talents. Now, I'm a big believer in operating in your talents. If God has given all of us talents, which he has, then that's the area that we should work in. If you're a good singer, then you should sing. If you're a good manager, then you should manage. If you're a good builder of of homes or whatever, then that's what you should do. We should do where our talents are. If you're a person who can counsel people, then do that. I can remember we had a pastor once, a young man who was a, a really an outstanding preacher, just a generally generally great guy, but he had a beautiful singing voice. He had an incredible singing voice and he could sing wonderful songs and Christian songs that just blessed you. And my wife went to him one day and she was talking to him. She said, you know, with all your singing ability, have you ever thought of being a worship leader or, or making records or getting into gospel music? And he said, you know, that's not my purpose in life. That's not my calling. I'm called to be a counselor. I'm called to be one to sit down with people and help them see how God word can help them. You see, he was prospering in his ministry of counseling and pastoring, but he had a talent to do that. He had a desire to sing, and but he understood. He recognized that that was not his calling. Yes, he could sing, and yes, he probably could have done very well in that area, but that was not his calling. In my own case, I wanted to prosper as a pastor. I wanted to have prosperity financially to bless the church. I wanted to see the church prosper. I wanted to see us build great facilities and reach thousands of people for the Lord. 
Lord. And that's happened. I thank God for that. It's amazing. Our little church that basically had no attendance whatsoever when we started, total brand new church, went to over 2,000 people attending every week in little less than a couple of years. And so God bless that. Please don't think I'm boasting. I'm not because God knew where he wanted to prosper me. And I was to be prospering in the local church. Well, because our church was successful, all of a sudden I started getting these invitations to go to other churches and speak and travel across the country and all these little things. And I kept saying, no, I don't. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm called to be the pastor of this church. My prosperity, God wants to bring into my life, is going to come through pastoring in the church. And as I stayed in the church, things were blessed. The church was blessed tremendously. And then I, the Lord blessed me to go out and reach with other charitable organizations that are helping young men and women who are hooked on drugs and things of that nature. And I was able to help them, for them to build buildings and, and do the things that God wanted to have done, but he needed someone to step up and do it. So this message, you might be thinking, well, where's the money talk? Why, why aren't you talking about all the money that I can make? Well, I want you to understand the importance of prosperity. What is prosperity? Prosperity is where you're prospering in things that you enjoy doing. You're prospering in the ability to bless others and be blessed while you're blessing others. Now, to talk more specifically in the area of just making money, then I believe the key to prospering financially is learn to become a good giver, that we should give of what we have and it'll be blessed and it'll multiply. I could give you story after story of examples of when I gave financial blessings to the church and something would come in out of nowhere. Recently, we were at church and the pastor asked a question. He said, we'd like to make you give a donation if you possibly can. Is there any way that you can give to this person who's in church? So at the end of the service, I was sitting there thinking, Lord, what do you want me to give? And the thought $500 popped in my mind. And so I told my wife, she said, yeah, that's great. Sounds good. By the way, husbands and wives should always agree when they're giving of their finances to the church. I believe that because God wants you to be in one, be in unison, be in agreement. And so therefore we gave the $500. Well, it was only three or four days later that there was a check in the mail and it was $5,000. And I looked at the check and I thought, where'd that come from? And I called the people who sent me the check and I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry, but I don't know why you sent this to me. And they said, well, about 20 years ago, you had an insurance policy and had a little bit of money left in there. And we've noticed that you never took it out. And so we've just been investing it for you, investing it for you. And that little couple of hundred dollars that you had is now worth the $5,000, but we're cleaning our books up. So we thought we better just go ahead and send you a check for that 5,000. You see, that's how we can gain prosperity if we understand that God's in charge of our finances. That if we give, he's going to give back. What does the Bible say? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, some of you people might be thinking out there, yeah, right, that's a cute story. You gave 500 and got 5,000 back. Well, let me give you another example of a great story when it has to do with prospering. I wanted our church to prosper. I didn't have the money. My wife and I prayed. Now, we were not making a lot of money at the time. We were making somewhere around $30,000 a year as the senior pastors of the church. Church was little. It couldn't afford very much. So that's what we were paid. But when we prayed about it and said, Lord, what would you like me to do and Sharon and I to do with the church and which money should we give? So I looked at my wife and I said, look, I want to be in agreement with you. So take a piece of paper, turn it down and let's each write without looking at each other how much money we should give. And we prayed said, Holy Spirit, guide and direct us and give us wisdom because we want to bless the church and you're going to help us prosper so that we can then bless the church. So we each wrote our number down. I said, okay, let's turn them over. We turned them over and we both had the exact same number, which was $100,000. Now that's a lot of money. 
That's a lot of money to give, especially when you're only making $30,000. And I kind of thought, Lord, you must not understand math very well because we're trying to figure out what we can afford to give and the amount that you put on our hearts is $100,000 and I'm not making but less than a third of that every year. So it's kind of comical. I mean, that's how I was thinking at the time. And then I just said, no, no, God wants to bless me. God's ways are greater than mine. God's thoughts are greater than my mind. But giving was the key to prosperity. And so within a matter of literally just a few weeks, I started getting calls from people and them saying things like, could you help us with this or help us with that? And I'd say, no, I'm not building homes anymore. I'm a full-time pastor now. I need to give 100% of my time to the church. So no, I won't be taking those projects, but I'll be happy to meet with you, talk to you and give you some tips and ideas. And this group of men came in. I had a nice meeting with them and that was the end of the discussion. They weren't going to pay me anything. They didn't say anything about that. I just said, well, let me help you. Let me give you what the plans that I have and let me give you some other things that I have and you go out and do something great. And they said, well, that's wonderful. So they went out and built a house. And about six months later, after they got the house put together, because they were able to build it back in those days, in about 90 to 100 days, you could literally build a house from scratch. They built the house, sold it, and they made $500,000. And they were so excited about it, and they asked me to have coffee with them. So I said, that's great. And they told me the great news of what they had done. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this is going to be great because they're going to give some money to the church. And they looked at me and they said, we got to thinking, you're the one that helped us. So we would like to give you $50,000 for your help and the money that we made. And we don't want it to go to your church. We want it to go to you. We want to bless you. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, yeah, I could use 50,000. I was only making 30,000 a year. 50,000 would be very nice. However, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm bringing in the money that you made a commitment that you and your wife prayed about, and this belongs to the church. So I looked at them and I said, you know what? Yeah, I could use the 50,000. However, why don't you make that check payable to the church? And then that way I can get credit for it towards my $100,000 commitment to the church. And they were all like, really? And I said, oh, and by the way, you can take the deduction for the $50,000 because I don't need the deduction. I just simply want the church to be blessed. And we had three or four more stories like that. And over a period of about one year, out of nowhere, we had a total of $107,000 come in from other sources, other things that surfaced that we were able to give that money to the church. And during that entire time, we never made more than $30,000 a year. And God raised and brought forward out of nowhere $107,000 thousand dollars that we gave to the church. Now, a lot of you folks may be saying, praise the Lord. That's awesome. I'm so excited to hear that. What a great story that is. Well, I believe it's a great story too, but there may be some of you are sitting out there saying, well, yeah, right. Yeah, that's just luck and stuff. Well, let me just make a comment about the word luck. A Christian prospering has nothing to do with luck. Luck is something that the world has. The Word of God doesn't talk about luck. It talks about faith, that God wants to bless us. And so when someone says, you're lucky, I say, no, I'm blessed. When someone says, well, boy, that sure was lucky that you did that or lucky that you did that, say, no, that's not how it works. God is blessing me because I'm just trying to do my best to serve Him. So that's a helpful message, I think, on prosperity to get you to understand that God will bring forth the prosperity in our lives if our ways are pleasing to Him. And I think you should try and see if that doesn't work in your life. If you're not giving to your church, giving financially to your church, or giving 10% of the income you make, which is called the tithe, which I believe in. If you're not doing that, you might want to try it. You may find out that God has a greater plan than you've
you've got because I know he's has done that in my life and the lives of many others. You know, in all the years of being a pastor and being a man who worked at the bank and worked in my own real estate development company, I did a lot of counseling through all that. And when I became a Christian, I knew that I need to start giving to God first in order to really line up to where he wanted to bless me. And I would earn really his blessing. I'm not buying his blessing, but I'm earning the right to be blessed of him. You see, that's what's important. It opens up the windows of heaven that God can pour out a blessing for us if we give to him. So now all the people that I talked to who were givers, who were tithers, who believed in that were happy that they were doing it. And the majority of them were people at peace. Those people were prospering in other areas of their life. But the people who never gave would look at me and say, oh, I wish I would have been able to give money to the church. In all the years that I've been in ministry and counseling and helping people, I've never had a person ever come to me who was a tither, who gave of their finances to the Lord, right off the top of what they made, ever come to me and say, oh, I wish I would have never done that. But I have had literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come to me and say, I wish that I would have been a person who would have put God first in my finances and established a pattern of tithing and good works for the Lord. When I started this podcast today, I made an announcement that the title of it would be Prosperity and would be Wisdom and Wealth. So I kind of reversed the order in which I've talked about it. I first started talking about wealth and to understand what it is. Remember, rich getting rich is a lot easier than becoming wealthy. Wealthy people have wisdom. And many times rich people didn't get their money through wisdom, but many times out of just some circumstances or something that just basically place money in their hands. So since we've talked about those things, why don't we talk a little bit more about about wisdom. I think that it's important we understand that prosperity and wisdom go hand in hand. Matter of fact, you might say that prosperity plus wisdom equals wealth. So let's get into the topic of wisdom today. There are those who basically say, yeah, it's nice if you have wisdom. It's nice if you have all that understanding and all that good stuff, but I just don't have wisdom. So I don't know how to get it. I'm just an average working person. And, and I guess I'm just going to have to just kind of plug along here and just take day by day and, and see what I can accomplish in my life. But you know, that's not what God's word tells us. If we go to the book of James, we'll find some really powerful words that'll help us understand that God wants to bless us and wants to give us wisdom. In James chapter one, verse five, it simply says this, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is an, as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And then it says here, this is very important, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. If we want to have wisdom from God, we need to be all in with God. We can't kind of have one foot operating in the world and one foot operating in the things of God. We need to take both feet and stand firmly in place and be directed by the word of God. If we want wisdom, we need to ask God. People say, well, how do you do that? Well, you just ask him. So why don't we do that right now. Just right now, everyone. God, I pray for wisdom. I pray, Father, that everyone here that's listening would receive the wisdom they need to make the right decisions, Lord, to understand their, your purpose, your plan for their life, God, and that you're going to bless them. And I'm going to believe right now, Father, that you're even now helping people to understand that they must ask and seek for your guidance in Jesus' name. So now see, if we just do that and just step forward and say it, and some might say, well, that seems a little awkward saying, God, I just need wisdom. I just need to get the, the smart 
smarts that I don't have. Well, it's not odd at all because God says that. You see, the Lord wants us to go to him in every area. And if you're seeking prosperity, then go to God for direction for prosperity. Don't think that you can do it kind of halfway in the world and halfway with God. And there's a lot of folks like that. There's a there's a man in our church, a man that I, I know quite well. He's a doctor and he's a nice guy, really a nice guy. And him and I have had many times, we've had coffee and we've had meetings together and talked about the things of God and talked about his business. And I guess he thinks, I think he likes the fact that I have a background in banking and in finance and I was a real estate developer. He kind of likes that. And I'm a pastor. He kind of likes the package put together. And so many times because of that, I get the opportunity to speak to people who are in business and people maybe who would like to have a little direction. In. But I can see that he likes to kind of put one foot in heaven and one foot, you know, on the earth. He likes to deal with the things here on this earth and likes to go in and out of his walk with God or the relationship that he has with the Lord. And so I'll see him in church for a while, then I won't see him in church for a while. And then I'll get together with him one time and he wants to talk about the things of God and other times he wants to just talk about business and making money and how to have a better marriage and all those kinds of things. But to get him to read the word of God, he he struggles with that. To get him to be faithful and to spend time in prayer, he struggles with that because he's so wrapped up in the idea that prosperity is only going to come to him if he just works harder and he's smarter than the next guy and puts in more work and more effort and he'll just grind it out and grind it out and grind it out and he'll prosper and he'll have lots of money. But his when he does that, when his focus is just on that, he's missing out on the blessings of his marriage and his family and his friendships and his relationship with God and the fellowship that he should be having with other believers, Christians in the church. So we allow ourselves many times to get distracted. And when we get distracted, we violate the, the word of God. We violate the book of James where it says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. It says, ask our generous God. That means he wants to bless. He certainly owns everything. So therefore he's not going to lack in his ability to bless us. He said, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will give us wisdom. He won't rebuke us. He won't make us feel stupid or make us feel dumb. God wants to us to prosper. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. We've got to have our faith and our trust and our confidence in God. We can't put our faith and trust in the stock market. Yes, we can invest there if we feel comfortable to do that, but that's not where our future is. We can't put our faith in our retirement plans, our savings accounts, the equity that we have in our homes. Those things are fleeting. They go up and down and you can lose them overnight, but we need to be sure that our faith is in God alone. It says, do not waver. You know, stay firm. It says, for a person with divided loyalty is what that's calling that. Boy, that's, that's what it's all about. We can't have divided loyalty and expect God to prosper us. So any prosperity that we get, we're getting it on our own because we can't have a divided loyalty. We've got to be all in for God and he'll be all in for us. For divided loyalty says is an un, is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat before and the wind starts going and that boat starts moving around and up and down and sideways and I, I can't handle it. I've got on boats like that occasionally and I get sick very quick. I cannot handle the water moving a lot when I get in a boat, especially a kind of a small boat. But we're being tossed around and we can do the same thing with our finances. It says such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
And then it closes with this, their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. You see, our financial plan can make us stable or unstable in everything else that takes place in our life. A lot of times we think that our finances are just kind of going to impact just our possessions and those things. But no, if we have a desire and a goal just to be rich, rich, rich and go after money, go after money, it can affect us, yes, financially, but it can also affect us emotionally and our physical health can suffer. I know a lot of folks who work very hard, who live on stuff for their stomach. They've got ulcers. They've got heart problems. They've got headaches all the time. They're taking pills. I had one guy that I worked with one time. He had a big bottle of an anti-acid, kind of like Pepto-Bismol on his desk. It looked like about a quart jar. And all day long, he'd have that sitting there. And when he felt nauseated or upset, he was just a workaholic. He was just so into his work. He'd take that big old quart of Pepto-Bismol. It's an anti-acid to help him. And he'd just drink out of that like he was drinking out of a thing of milk. And he would live with that stuff. And he lived under such pressure and anxiety because his goal was to prosper, just simply prosper. And that was the whole thing. And that's not God's plan. So to wrap this up, prosperity requires wisdom and prosperity and wisdom equals wealth. It doesn't equal being rich. It, it equals being wealth. Wealth is something that will take us into eternity. And I don't mean you have to be rich or wealthy, I should say, to go into eternity. I'm just saying that we can go into eternity with a, with a wise financial plan, a prosperous financial plan, and that will give us the wealth that we need. Wealth will give us a balanced life. It'll give us success in everything that we do. We'll feel better. We'll work better. We'll have better relationships, and we'll have a better understanding of what God wants us to have in our plan to prosper. Well, I hope this has blessed you. I hope that it's been a blessing to you. It has been a blessing to me because I've enjoyed going through God's Word. Always love opening up the Word of God and seeing what He has to say about the topic that we're discussing. Now, Father, I pray for those listening, Father, that they'll get into your word and receive your instructions. Bless them. May they prosper, Father. And I'll thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I can't wait until we get into the next podcast, number 52. It's going to be called Prosperity Direct from God. Sounds interesting. I'm excited about it. I can't say much about it right now because I'm saving it for when we meet again. So I'd like to ask you that if you would like to get additional information on this subject of finances, prosperity, getting out of debt, all those things, you can go to my webpage at David C. Friend Author. Dot com And there's on the first page of that, there's a link there. If you would like to subscribe to my monthly newsletters that'll be coming out, I should be releasing my very first one this week. And I'm excited about it. And we're going to be having tips in these newsletters to help you get a better plan to become financially successful. You can subscribe to my podcasts on cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you and may he give you peace. If you are enjoying these podcasts, I would ask you to please let your friends and those people around you know that they can get to my podcasts and subscribe to them and we'll be having teachings to help them in their finances and help them gain a closer walk with God in relationship to their financial needs. I believe God will bless them. So now may you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Until next time, may God richly bless you.